0: Good day and welcome to episode 14 of Growing Your Successful Business, the podcast all about small business. Today in studio, we have Carrie Anderson, the principal and vice president at Thrive Communities. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you, Brian. For those of you who don't know Carrie, I'll read you a quick bio here. Uh, This is right off of her website, thrivecommunities.com. Carrie has a unique ability to attract, inspire, and retain the best and brightest people in the multifamily industry. Her genuine passion for mentoring and assisting her team members to grow in their roles can be seen in Thrive's on-site team's performance. Carrie began her property management career in 1986 with Trammell Crow Residential Services where she was responsible for training and property marketing for all assets in Washington and Oregon. In 1994, she joined Equity Residential where she oversaw all of Washington as area vice president and in this capacity, Carrie supervised over 300 employees including five regional managers. Carrie is the founding president of the Washington Chapter of the National Apartment Association and is currently a two-time past president, I should say, and is currently a member on the board. And, as I made a note here to make sure I didn't forget to say, she's one of the finest people I know. Oh. So welcome, Carrie. Oh, Brian. Thank um, you. If you want to reach out to Carrie, you can uh, get a hold of her office at 206-388-2120 or at info@thrivecommunities.com, or just thrivecommunities.com. So before we let Carrie talk, I'll just tell you all, uh, for those of you listening, this is the first time we've had somebody on who really doesn't have a whole lot to sell the the listeners. Um, There's not a product or service that she provides that is a wide-ranging thing like some other folks we've had on, attorneys and stuff like that, where everybody needs an attorney. Not everybody owns a $70 million piece of property that needs managed. So... Um, Carrie is here out of the goodness of her heart and uh, I really appreciate you coming on so thank you very much okay. for that well, thank you um, so you've been so thrive communities has been in business for 11 years and folks you're gonna hear some pretty staggering numbers here um, if, if you're interested at all in growing a big business you'll want to pay attention and take some notes here uh, some of their, their numbers here are just absolutely uh, stunning so in 11 years you've gone from two employees to 325 employees and from two properties with a total of 98 units to sixty-nine properties with eleven thousand plus units in four states. So, wow! wow. wow. Yeah, what has that been like?
1: <laughs> well, I don't think we ever really dreamed we would have the rapid growth that we did. Um, but once you get the machine going, it just it starts to all fall in place. And so, um, we have a pretty strong goal of getting to twenty-five thousand units by twenty twenty-five. And so, when you start to back into that, you've got to you've got to have some substantial growth each year to do that. So um, I surround myself with really, really great people, and we can, we'll talk about how, how that all came to be and then, um, and then just really do really good work so right. that owners of these large apartment communities uh, look toward Thrive as an option to manage their properties. Sure.
0: So one of the things, uh, when reading those uh, staggering numbers of growth, one of the things uh, small and medium-sized business owners hear all the time is you can't grow too fast, you got to be careful growing too fast, or X companies went out of business last year because they grew too fast. What do you think when you hear that?
1: Um, I think it's real, um, but I think if you can do it in a uh, managed way and be thoughtful, um, most important, um, I think we've had to have big discussions about profit over, you know, being a really uh, good company, mm-hmm. and so that profitability ups goes up and down, but all the time knowing that the investments we're making today are going to pay off with our growth goal. So, right. so sometimes you, oh, you know, you're not making quite as much, but but you know that those investments will will be the right one.
0: Right. So there's the profitability versus um, providing a good product. That's right. And then there's the profitability versus investing for the future. Um, without sharing numbers, can you give us kind of a flavor for what your philosophy is on that? Do you take half the profit and reinvest it, or do you quantify it that way, or is it just kind of a gut and we just roll with it as we go? Or
1: You know, it's kind of a margin, kind of a, at the end of the month, you hope to have a certain amount of profit. Um, we started out thinking 20 We're you know we get down below ten at times, Um, but again it's 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 paid off because it's it's truly the you know if people can't do good work if they're overwhelmed right and so that our thing that we're adding is the most uh, expensive thing we add is people
0: right yeah I would imagine so yeah so um, you're you're experiencing probably triple digit growth some years. Um, what do you, what would you say is too fast for somebody, or does it really not matter how fast they're growing? It does it matter more how much planning they've done? So, for instance, you said your goal is to have twenty five thousand units by twenty twenty five. Did you start with that number initially, or or that's the number you came up with in the last couple of years, and you've adjusted accordingly, or or how's that how's that come to be?
1: That was a really good question. So, well, when, thank you, thank you. When we were just starting, early days, we didn't have those aspirations. We were still working on um, becoming a really good company. Um, but about four or five years ago, we created a level within our company, and we call them our their directors. So, at one point, you got the owners can't do it all. We have to have more people. Um, that director base is there. Seven of us in that room now. And during those business planning sessions, is where we said. Uh, we really isolated some of our key goals, and one of them being the 25,000 units. So, so about how long ago was that? About five years ago. Okay. Yeah.
0: Can you lean in just a little yeah, bit sorry, there? Yeah, sorry. It's okay. okay. It's, okay. It,
1: it's kind of right in my face. Yeah. Right.
0: So about <laughs> five years ago, you came up with that goal, and uh, um, I'll just continue reading down here some of my notes. Um, Thrive has, commu- has completed $126 million in renovations on 4,100 units. In doing so, your team has won 10 awards in three states. And um, probably most impressively, uh, for the third year, uh, Thrive Communities is in the top 20 uh, as a business sound, or Puget Sound Business Journal Best Workplaces. So congratulations yes, on that. That's, yeah, that just I mean, came out three, last week. Yeah, three years in a row to get the nomination for being in the top 20 for a business your size is uh, phenomenal. Um, in the nominations, your employees, they've said things like creating a culture that everyone is equal and there is a spirit of servant leadership. Uh, they've said, work hard but have fun as in, t- in describing your company and be nice to each other, which <laughs> that one makes me laugh kind of. Uh, but it must be wildly gratifying for you to hear those comments.
1: Yes, very. And it really does uh, promote who we are. Um, when when Thrive came to be, so I worked for very large firms. You, you talk about my bio. Um, I worked for very good large companies, I have to say. Um, Trammell Crow being where I really learned about the power of presentation in apartment communities. And then equity being where I really learned about the power of the dollar um, as the pri- a public company, the stockholders, you know, were were very important. Right. Um, so when I set out to join my partners at Thrive, um, something that was super super important um, that I didn't always get with all my companies, but I realized that it was important to me as an employee was the fact that the servant leadership and the ability to be nice to people and to motivate them through positive energy versus you know, going to work every day and feeling like you're just a number. Right. We, we did this video, hmm, it's been about four or five years ago, and we pulled in people that have all diverse backgrounds, diverse um, jobs within our firm, and put them with kind of similar to here in a studio and uh, gave them our values. And said we want to create a video that represents who Thrive is to you. We weren't there, we didn't tell them what to say, and every time we show that video, I get goosebumps because people are getting you know the formula that we've put together and they understand the, their value in our company right and you know I am a big I'm totally in the book north north the Nordstrom way, and your associates and your your customers are the most important thing that you have as a company
0: right, yeah, I would agree with that hundred percent so one of the things when when hearing these specific comments here. Um, a spirit of servant leadership, have fun and be nice to each other. How do you instruct, or how would you instruct an owner, a business owner, to accomplish getting these kinds of comments for employees?
1: I, I think it. To be really honest, it starts. Please
0: be really honest. It yeah. starts
1: with you, right? Right. The business owner, and if that doesn't come naturally, you're going to have a really hard time uh, instilling that. Right. So then surround yourself with people who do, right? right. So but I guess the first thing is remember it's very important and then um, evaluate yourself and your business and say, okay, if being nice or being servant to my employees is not, does not come naturally, then I'm going to find the people that will help me do that.
0: So let, let me explore this a little bit. So if you were to take a 1,000 business owners and poll them, And the only question was, do you think you're nice? (laughs) I would guess that somewhere in the mid to upper 90 percentile or maybe low 90 maybe 92.3 percent would say yes. They would check the box yes. If you were to pull the 10,000 people that that group collectively deals with every day and ask them, is this person nice? It probably would fall to around 67 percent, I would guess. I don't know, just uh, throwing completely random numbers out there. But there's quite a drop off there. Mm -hmm. Folks probably think that they're nicer than they are as far as how people interpret their behavior and things like that. So um, how, how could you go about, if you're, if, you're, if you're trying to decide if you're one of those people who's naturally good at this or not, right. what could you be looking for to answer that question objectively rather than your own opinion which is completely biased?
1: Uh, another good question. Um, we do uh, surveys within our firm. Um, when we started off, it was paper surveys. Right. Then we went to Survey Monkey. Now we're even more sophisticated, and we really use the um, Puget Sound Business Journal as a as a guide too. And your employees will give you really good feedback. So uh, you just have to ask, you right. know, and um, and then be open. To the answer.
0: Yeah, right. That's probably the hardest <laughs> part is is when you get the answers that you're not fond of. Um then uh, uh doing the pr- the right thing with that, right? Right, right. Um so when you do those surveys, are they anonymous or are they open? Totally anonymous. They're totally anonymous, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I would I would definitely recommend that yeah. as well. Yeah. So then um as you're growing to from 2 to 325 employees, you've got to then promote and hire managers and supervisors and things like that. That's correct. Um so then the surveys and the in the focus becomes less about the owners and more about the managers and supervisors and things like that, um, were you just lucky and found all these people? Did you have to train them from the ground up? As you as you put these people in place, um, How did, did you just find them? I guess let's start with that. Did you just find them or did you train them to be supervisors and managers?
1: Well, um, to start off with, of course, you said that I started my career in 1984. Um, I have been in this business for a very long time. Right. And I really I really do value people. And right. so it's not just my associates. So I make it a point to connect with people in our industry. And um, the apartment association that you speak of, that I was the first president, that was 16 years ago. Right. Um, I was at Equity Residential at the time. And um, that just started... Uh, we started at 30,000 units. We're over 240 or something now. And all of those are relationships, right? right? And all of those are people that want to grow their career. It's funny about apartment management. You don't wake up and say, oh, I want to be a manager of apartment communities, right? right? Um, it's funny how I got into it. And so. Uh, Once you do, though, you realize there's a career path, and there's a great opportunity for people who aren't, you know, four-year degrees. Those are always positive, but they're not required. I started as a leasing agent at age 23, and I leased apartments and... You know, I had a, a great mentor in that time. So so as the industry is growing and your connections grow, I would say a lot of times I, I relied on those connections. Mm-hmm. So I would say quite a few people on our team are those people that we knew from other firms. Um, and then we also have a, a good group of people we've brought in that have no property management experience. And that's important, too, because you get that full, rounded Kind of business approach, right? Um, so it hasn't been easy, and we haven't always been on right on who we hire, right? Um, and those times have have been challenging to to unwind. They hurt, hurt, don't they? They hurt. (laughs) Well, the the people that that work for us, those regional manager, we call them levels, that really work with the owners of the real estate, Mm -hmm. those are strong relationships. The owner really has to trust the person that's in charge. Right. And so when those relationships get turned over, it's challenging. So I would say that's... never mind
0: the damage they did along the way to the turnover.
1: (laughs) Right. That's true. That's true. Right. Yeah.
0: So it sounds like it's been kind of a mixture. So in your day-to-day, you know um operating the company and you're mentoring and teaching your subordinates and these these managers how do you, how do you quanti- how would you quantify how much of your time you spend talking about um keeping growing and maintaining that culture of being nice and all those kinds of things is that is that a lot of your conversation, yes, or yes. You know, how, yeah? So every
1: every Tuesday, that director level I talk to you about. Um, we get together, and that is what we talk about. How do we grow? How do we take care of the customers we have today? Because right. those are oftentimes, you know, a lot of our our customers are building more, buying more, so sure. that relationship builds on more business. Um, and then, of course, how do we be sure we take care of our employees? We all know the unemployment rate right now is super low, yeah. and and that today is probably the number one challenge, you know, of the month is holding, retaining, you know, keeping good people so that right um, we don't have turnover.
0: Sure, yeah. sure, yeah, that's that's a that's a, a, yeah. a challenge to say the least. So um, for those of you listening, then um, Carrie kind of talked about something that that I've talked about in in classes I've taught and just coaching people and things like that. Is um, you mentioned that the employees and the customers are the two most important things that you have. That's correct. Right. I've, I've explained it as it's kind of a three-legged stool. Every decision we make has to make sense for the company, of course, has to make sense for the employees, and has to make sense for the customers. And none of those come before or after the other ones. That's they right. have to be equal. equal. So when you make a decision that's great for the company, but then you find out this is something not, that your employees are going to absolutely fight you tooth and nail because it's not, from their perspective, um, productive or the right thing to do for whatever reason. They could be right, by the way. Um, that 's not a good that 's not a good decision and if it 's good for the company, good for the employee, but it 's not good for the customer obviously that 's not a good decision right. and I think that ten, we as business owners overall tend to think of a kind of a binary situation where it's it 's the company and everybody else <laughs> and everything else right and uh, i i don 't think people do a good job of of remembering that uh, employee retention satisfaction is at least as important and sometimes obvious, obviously way more important. But at least as important as the financial health of the company or the happiness of your customers, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just I think that po- folks uh, lose sight of that stuff. But.
1: Well, and I think in that Nordstrom book, I talked to you know, happy customers uh, or happy employees make happy customers, right? And that's that's really super important.
0: Sure. So, um, like many of us, you started your business because you thought you could provide a unique ability uh, in your industry. And I'm, I'm changing those words, provide a unique ability, instead of saying we thought we could do it better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to soften that up a little bit. Um, what was it like to start your own business? So you had been, been in the industry forever, forever. And, you, and, you, and you're obviously very bright, and you're very kind, and all that good stuff. Um, but being an employee, shifting gears to becoming a business owner, what was that like for you?
1: Well, you know, I think all the business owners that are out there probably have the same quality. There's an entrepreneurial spirit within you. Right. It just it just is. You have it or you don't. Right. right. Really. Um, so when I uh, was at Equity Residential, my husband and I started to buy rental properties, and we got up to about ten. We had some fourplexes and a couple houses. And uh, my husband at that point was a stay-at-home dad, so that I could push my career um, farther. And um, and so at some point, within equity and kind of being a publicly held company, it wasn't it wasn't a good thing to own real estate. As an employee, because okay. um, you know you could use the company in a bad way to, sure. to yeah. use products or whatever. So, so that's when it was like, well, I want to be an owner. I got the owner bug. I don't, I don't want to be an employee. I think that I have the skills within my management style to be able to to do this. And I was just fortunate enough to find a couple other people that, that I worked with in my past career um, that wanted the same thing. Right. And what was really unique and exciting was that there's four of us. Uh, we each hold a different discipline. Mm-hmm. Um finance, business, development, um, me being management. Um, and so together we really complemented each other. Right. I couldn't have done it on my own because right. I know people in apartment management, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily know the finance side or or the other things in the back of the house. And so I think that's super important uh, when people want to start their business is to be sure you surround yourself with people um, that complement you. Because sure. if we had a bunch of me on the ownership you know we'd be having fun but we you know we might not be have all the other part figured out so So let me
0: let me just stop you there before you continue so how how at what point in your life did you become comfortable with the notion of accepting your own limits so i mean for a business owner to to say i'm good at this piece but i'm not very good at the other piece i don't think that's probably all that common to be honest um or maybe i'm wrong do you think that's common i think
1: that's a About being self aware. Right. And I do think that is uncommon. Uncommon? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so,
0: um, um, when did that happen for you or were you born with it? And if you, you you were okay. I think
1: it's always been part of, I've all, and I'm, I want to toot my own heart, but I've always been. Please toot your own horn. When within business, even if it was, you know, waitressing through school, I was the trainer, I was the night, I always got those extra duties because of my drive and, and I think I'm trustworthy. And, um, so I,
0: that's so. Are those? I mean, in my mind, those things are are all fantastic qualities, of course. But they're separate from self awareness and, and and what your limitations are. Am I making sense there? Maybe I'm not making sense there.
1: Yeah, I just I think it's just a I don't know I don't really can't really explain it because I because it's so easy to me. Right. I sometimes do it too much. I always talk about uh, I want to be so honest or you know I don't want to have my nose be you know Pinocchio nose because you have to be self aware and you have to be honest. Sure.
0: And and my story is similar to yours in that there's three partners. Each of us bring or now there's four. We started with three partners. We have now four. Each of us brought a different piece. not one of us could have ever possibly done what we've done alone. Mm -hmm. Um, And when people ask me about partnerships, one of the things I tell them is, you know, for us, um, first of all, three, starting out with three was the magic number. If there was any, either any two of us, we wouldn't have made it um, for a variety of reasons. Um, But we each stay out of each other's way. We each trust each other and we each have our area of expertise we can focus on. And I don't have to worry about focusing on what, one of my partners is doing because I don't understand it as well as he does That's or she right. does and you know whatever decision they make is going to be at least as good as the one I would make yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, if not better hopefully yep. and vice versa um, mm-hmm. so anyhow I just I wanted to, to segment on that a little bit because uh, uh, folks do ask a lot about partnerships and why mm-hmm. partnerships and why would I want to do that and I think that you you know you open your horizons consider your ceilings considerably when you have those kind of partners so Mm -hmm. I uh, have
1: one partner that um, I've known for over 30 years and I met him at Trammell Crow and he's like one of the he is like the brightest person I've ever met and throughout my career as I I never really saw him that much but I always stayed connected I always called every few months we just um, I would say you know Surround yourself with people that are smarter than you and yeah. that, um, and, then, and then value that relation. Who would have ever thought we would end up being partners? Never thought in a million years, but um, I really respected him, and so I'm super excited.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that's something else, that business owners, it's not a, a naturally occurring phenomenon to understand the idea that the best thing you can do is surround yourself with people smarter than you. Yes. Because we, we tend to equate intelligence with um, eagerness and, and drive. And that's not always those things are not always synonymous. You could have the most drive, but if you don't have the, the expertise, you're not gonna go anywhere. That's right. Um so I think it's important for people to understand that it's not it doesn't mean you're less than to have smarter people than no. you or people who have good expertise. It means you're smarter that you were able to, to coordinate this that's and right. pull it off. That's a that's a fantastic uh fantastic feat. But I think people generally are business owners are generally <laughs> they have ego, right? Let's just right. say it, right? They have ego and they don't wanna they don't want they're they're intimidated or they're afraid to, to surround themselves with people who are smarter than them. So Good for you for for working past that. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: I think that word ego. Oof. Uh, you know, you, you said earlier, go oh, make sure you tell yourself. About you. I just have a hard time with that, and right. I, I know I'm only successful because of the people that I surround myself with. Yeah. So, and sure. I compliment that. I mean, I, I want to take credit that you know I create energy and and love and all that. Yeah. yeah. Um. But it's not one person.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. So along those lines, um. Uh, you started your business, like I said, because you thought you could provide a unique ability to your industry. Um, you knew the industry really well. We covered that. Did you know how to run the business, though? And you said, well, you, you surrounded yourself with people who did that. When you first start out and you're dealing with things, even though you, it's not your expertise, you're still an owner and you're still dealing with the, the consequences, good or bad, of decisions you're making. What was it like in the beginning? So uh, for <laughs> us, you know, we didn't get a paycheck for eight months. Mm-hmm. And it became increasingly difficult to... Stay motivated and, and still think we were doing the right thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, did you have an experience like that at all?
1: Yeah, we went a couple of years with no paycheck. Yeah. Um, You know, even though I had been in this industry and managed huge portfolios, uh, you go out and you say, hey, you, I want you to come and, and we want to thrive, wants to manage your property. And then people say, well, how many units do you have? And you say, 98. And they yeah. say, Yeah, we're not going to take the chance on (laughs) you yet. So that was, you know, there's lots of tipping points in business. And I think it's important for owners to understand that each of those is an opportunity to take either a different direction or try something different or add more people or more systems. So when I joined Thrive or when we created Thrive, we had QuickBooks. Right. (laughs) And our industry has many software, you know, but we just weren't ready, right, on 98 units. One of my partner's wife did payroll and um, And then she helped with the, the QuickBooks, so uh, fast forward about six months when we when we after the ninety eight units, we got our first person to say yes, and that 's when we were able to hire an accountant and hire and go to the software that's more sophisticated right. and so um, you know each each step along the way, uh, but all the money that we earned on these fees went to the new hires, right. the softwares right. we we actually our office. Um, was downtown Seattle. My partner worked for um, a company called Harbor Properties. They're a real fine developer in Seattle. And they bought a site on uh, Second and uh, Cedar. It used to be the Musicians Union Hall. Okay. And they they fenced it out. They mothballed. They were getting ready to build a mid-rise. That's what mm-hmm. they did. And then the uh, 2008 economy hit. And so they, they said, we're not going to do this. So Gary at the time went to them and said, hey, can we bring this to life and rent it out. Right. And we did. We rented it out for like a couple hundred dollars a month. And, right. Um, so, you know, in the beginning, it, it is tough. But I think when you know what your product is or your service is and you believe in it, then those times, they don't seem as hard as right. they are while you're going through them. Um, and then and then the momentum starts to build. And then you, you know, get your next account your next account. And so... Uh, we were fortunate to—I didn't look at the numbers, but I think by the end of our, you know, growing year, we probably had a thousand thousand units or so. Right. We had some relationships where people took, you know, gave us their business because they knew us, right, um, and trusted us, so. right.
0: Yeah, I think that's its, a, it's a, I always chuckle at folks who say they want to start a business because they want the—they can't wait to have that business owner lifestyle. And I always, <laughs> okay, are you are you prepared for what it's going to take to get there? And you know, what what, what do you mean? Yeah. And well, in my case, we didn't get a paycheck for eight months. And when we got a paycheck, it wasn't nearly what it was when I had a job.
1: Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um,
0: are you prepared for that? Right. Are you you know that financial commitment and and the the hit to your ego and your pride as your as your you and know. and
1: the support of your family. Right. Because you know my I just told you my husband was a stay at home dad and I had a daughter and you know you have it has to be all united because yeah. it can add a lot of stress if sure. it's not. And I I had I had total support. Yeah, that's yeah, it awesome. Makes a big difference.
0: So, as you're starting, I asked you um, uh, before we came on the the, the deal today. Um, you talked about your core values, and they are uh, do the right thing, which I love. That's ours, by the way. That's our. We you have probably that, stole it. Uh, I probably <laughs> did. Yeah. Well, I, I think we came up with ours before we before we met you, but I, you know, so <laughs> that's it, pretty. It, it's it, a good one. Somewhere out there, I, I probably did steal it. Um, do the right thing. Uh, do work to be proud of. Be a great place to work and thrive. So. These are four fantastic things to, to help steer you in any, anything you do in life. That's right. Um, did you know what these were going to be before you started, or did you establish these along the way also?
1: You know, most of them uh, were established early days. Uh, I will say there were a couple. I can't. It doesn't come to me what they were exactly, but there were a couple we refined, and then the last one uh, being Thrive. I think it, it was Be Profitable, and I think our associates, you know, you, yes, you want to be profitable, but you don't want to say it. So right. we that's where we chose Thrive, which means to be profitable in all different levels, not just financially. Right. Um, and uh, these were refined by that director group that I talked about, mm-hmm. not the owners. Good. Um, because, again, pretty soon it becomes not about the owners. It becomes about the people leading the company. And right. some partners are more involved than others. We have... Uh, we are 66% owned by women, which I'm super proud of. Good. There's two of us. And then 33% of our firm is Canadian. Um, and so they aren't as involved. Um, right. And, but we always know, you know, they're great support, and, and they were there early times. And so uh, it's not about the ownership. It's truly about that, that the associates.
0: Sure. Yeah, and and uh, how do you know or how would you educate somebody listening to know when to shift gears there?
1: oh that's a really good eye. I think I think if you're listening and watching your business in your you pay attention, I think it kind of tells you when um for us it's it's a volume thing, right? Mm-hmm. So the more employees we get, the more people um when we started out with those two properties, I you know, here I am, vice president overseeing the state of Washington. I have two units our two properties, and I have to go, and I mean, I'm like picking up trash, and I have a picture of me with a blower, and right. you just go all the way down, and then as you grow, then you start to add more resources. Right. Um, and and we hired some really great people. I'm so proud of where we're going to go to the next level, and you got to just get out of their way. Right. And, um, and so by doing so, you want to give them a responsibility, which is to help us you know, create our, our values and right. uh, our direction, our 25 unit, 25,000 and 25. So um, I, I don't know that there was some book that you can look to, but I would say pay attention to it.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, that makes sense.
1: People want to grow in their careers and um, that's the best thing you can do, right? Is hire people who want to grow so that they can yeah. take over. And
0: <laughs> Was it, uh, I don't know, Dale Carnegie or Zig Ziglar or one of those guys said that, you know, the way to success is, is to help everybody else find their success, That's and that exactly uh, right. makes a yeah, lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> so um, in the beginning, two of you, 98 units, plenty of struggle, no paycheck for two years. How long did it take until you really felt like you were, your business was going to make it? Or did you never lose faith and you knew from day one, even though I'm not getting any money out of this thing, I can barely support myself, uh, I know it's going to happen, or... Or did that kind of come later on as now you have 1,000 units and then 10,000 know, 5,000 units or whatever? When did you kind of feel like, okay, this, this is all going to work out I'm going to be fine?
1: Wow. I never, I don't ever recall saying, oh, I'm going to have to go back to a job. I don't recall that. And I don't know why, if we just had such good energy and momentum and, and faith. Um, but... Um, I think, you know, that day we got our first paycheck or, you know, those days are a, a good relief. Right. Uh, especially for your family. Um, but I don't ever recall saying, you know what, I might, this might not happen. Right. Um, and I don't, I can't tell you why. Um, maybe it's just the people I was surrounding myself. I was, you know, my partners are super smart. and yeah. um And so I I never questioned that we were going to make it. I pinch myself now to say, wow, how far we've come. Right. Um, That's been a real blessing.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Mm -hmm. But it all hasn't been a blessing. Uh, In 2014, (laughs) uh, you're laughing because you know it's coming, right? Yeah. So you you start seeing a a trend in 2014 towards developers building smaller units, and uh, that didn't quite mesh with your existing platform, right? Right. So... Walk us through that. Okay. So what, what what what's going on here?
1: All right. So the reason we're talking about this is because we want people to know that it's not always perfect, right? right, right. And it's not always bad to try different things, right? And I have to remind myself because this is a funny story. So I know it was a good story. Um, so uh, we manage larger apartment communities, as you said, seventy million is we hundred units plus is kind of what we've done, what we know. It's my whole career and um we started to see a trend and it was a big trend for a while there those they're called micros right and um they're uh, taking out small homes or large homes in Seattle and they're building you know 20 units and uh 30 units i think the largest one this portfolio had was 60 units and so uh my partner said you know i'm seeing this trend we're getting more and more calls for this we should investigate if not we want to manage these micros small properties So, uh, she... So, and
0: just, just to be clear for everybody listening, a micro could be 200 square feet. Yeah, or less, yeah.
1: In the early days, they were less. Now they've, they've mastered quite a some of their So 200 square
0: feet is the size of your average bedroom. That's
1: right. And they, the rents are 800 at this time, you know, so it's a good, uh, place, you know, to have a home but not be broke. Right. So, um, so she, my partner is, is, um, from Seattle University. She graduated with her MBA, and so she said, you know, I'd like to hire Seattle U, um, um, and before you graduate from that program, you have to do an analysis on a business mm-hmm. sometimes it 's fledgling businesses that go there it, you know there 's a range of of things that happen and so we presented our case to a group of of students and then they they went to work analyzing you know is it a profitable? could we do it and we we're, our vision was that we would totally separate this company from thrive right it would still be under the thrive master but it wouldn't we named it bloom okay thrive yeah it was super fun
0: are you in charge of naming no we had a
1: we had a group group of us but it was it was when you you
0: say thrive and bloom that just sounds (sighs) like carrie talking
1: yeah well obviously it's our company (laughs) so off we go to the races and crazy enough wasn't a few months we got a call from a a, a lady whose unfortunately husband passed and she gave us her whole portfolio it was Mm -hmm. like seven deals and so bloom was off to the races right um what we didn't anticipate was the management of these small communities. So when you manage apartments, you you know you have income and you have expenses and then right. hopefully you have some at the end. That's why owners buy apartments. Yep. Well, when your rents are 800 and you're 20 units, you don't have a lot of cash to right. pay people. And so we... Because you,
0: sh- you still have a mortgage problem. Right, and you, yeah. And then you have all the... All utilities. The, uh, utilities, yeah, yeah, okay.
1: Taxes. So right, so taxes. just for folks
0: listening, it's not like these people come to you and they're... And it's always they own the thing outright and all no. they have to do is pay. They still have mortgages and that's expenses. Right. That's right, that's right. And they got to save for when they need a new roof and when they need a new, new siding and windows and all that other stuff. That's, that's right.
1: right. Okay. And so, um, unfortunately, uh, there wasn't a lot to pay for payroll. And we... We were just so committed to the customer experience. So we could at times see that to make those buildings work, there might not ever be anybody on the staff. They might just pop in and, you know, clean the property. Mm-hmm. I think people underestimate what it takes to manage an apartment community. Sure. And so they thought it would be oh so easy, and it was just not. And um, when the customers are unhappy, they let you know. And they definitely let you know. And so our reputation was so important to us. Like, you know, we we tried everything. We tried outsourcing stuff. We tried, you know, decreasing. We tried bundling communities together. And we really, at the end of the day, came to the decision that it just wasn't a model that fell, fell into us. Right. I, I watched um, one of your, um, your presentations, and the gentleman was talking about you spend most of your time trying to fix a customer that's not the right fit right. Then spending more of your time with those that are the right fit and right. making that more successful. And so a uh, big decision, and we just um, you know, we just gave the owners notice that we you know, gave them plenty of time. I think it was mm-hmm. like three or four months that we would be not managing those type of properties anymore. Right.
0: So before I get to more about that, so um, one of the things that I found really interesting when we, you and I were talking about this earlier, um, you hire the team from Seattle U, the MBA program, to analyze this for you. And I was thinking when, I, when you sent this to me a few days ago, I was thinking, what in the world does that cost? I, I was picturing, you know, <laughs> fifty thousand dollars. I had no idea. And you said it wasn't that bad.
1: I think it was a couple thousand. Couple thousand mm-hmm. bucks.
0: So is that is that something that uh you know I could or Sadie yep. could or whatever? By the way, for those listening, Sadie's the engineer that makes all this happen. She's super She's camera super shy. Cute. Yeah. Um, so she uh or they they are available to any business. You just call them and tell them that that you're looking for something like this and that's my
1: understanding i didn't um execute on that Mom, okay my partner rose did but i believe that's the case i know i have a um, an associate who's now a regional manager with us and he went through that same program and during the time he was um his group was analyzing a teriyaki store or shop or something Interesting. something so i think yeah i do i think that you could um do that
0: well that would be a i for those of you listening that'd be a huge takeaway for me as is, is that there's <laughs> uh, what do they call those things? A think tank.
1: Think tank. Yeah. Oh, me. Uh, there's
0: like a think tank out there. You yeah. can you can buy for a couple thousand bucks and and help walk you through these things. So you don't have to take all this stuff on alone. So you close down Bloom in 2016. Yeah. I No, it's sad. Know. Um. But you know, like like one of the reasons I do this podcast is to let folks know that not everything is going to be smooth sailing, right? That's and right. and it, it it probably matters more how you react afterwards than the failure, right? And we're and again our pride and our Ego and all those things don't handle that stuff well historically for business owners, probably. Um, what was it like for you? Did it shake your confidence for everything, or did you? I mean, how, how was it like to recover and move on from that? And when I say recover, I don't necessarily mean financially, I mean just your yourself and your company and, and walking your th- team through a quote unquote failure.
1: Uh, well, a uh, couple things first off, um, out of that MBA program, we hired one of the students, she ran that company for us during that time nice um and she is now one of our senior regional managers with our company so uh shutting down bloom probably saved her yeah because she was i mean it was a lot of work I, I it was a lot of work um and again got us to focus on what we do the best right. and not be diverted you know by the things uh, that were challenging Whole team at that time, right? So all those people got to be brought over to the conventional side, and I would say if we had all those people in a room and we said, "Are you happy you're not managing micros?" They would all say, "Oh yes, yeah, absolutely. Yes, 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 right, right, right." And again, it's a good, it's a good little business for people, but it's just you have to find the management that fits that. I would see, you know, a little live on site manager that could get free rent. That was probably the business strategy that should have been taking place, not, not our. Um, you know, full staff and, and all of that. Right. Um, uh, I think the one message it sent to all those people I talked about is that our company is listening to them and will not put, you know, will not do things just to make a profit. We It's more important that we're staying true to our, our culture. Right. And uh, that message was was loud and clear.
0: So did you have to have, like, a big meeting and explain everything to everybody and all that kind of stuff, that big formality, of, or you just kind of did it and we just moved on?
1: Yeah, it was, it was easily kind of put in our past because of the stress that,
0: right yeah right right okay gotcha
1: financially yes you know i like said it doesn't matter if, i mean it it took a hit it was a lot of income but again it, it was the right thing to do right and you got to be ready to make those hard de- decisions
0: yeah so in this in this whole process um you do a ton of research you hire a team out to research in the beginning you try it for two years it sounds yeah, like yeah i it's a couple years um and what was kind of the what were kind of the signals you were getting that aren't specific? I don't know how I, just, I, know, I to ask this. I'm wondering what the signals were where you began to go. This is hard to. This isn't us, and this is not fit with us. I mean, things can be hard, and you can find solutions, and you tried a bunch of things. What was what was the kind of feeling though that led you to say this just isn't for us? Let's just we're better off without it.
1: Um, I think the employees. You know, when you start to see turnover, and okay. um, you know, every day it's a new person and. Or not every day, but you know there's yeah. turnover and um and you everyone wants to be on the other side, and you realize that you know we can't find those people to work under those situations so um i I think yeah i I think that was it, really just yeah. we realized people don't want to be there, so
0: right so if you're if your employees are are generally pretty happy with something you try, and then all of a sudden they're they're not literally screaming at you to. To stop making them do this but they're <laughs> they're letting you know that they're not wanting to do this right uh perk up your ears and pay attention that kind that's of thing right. is what you'd say yeah that's right yeah i think that makes i think the sense. owners
1: felt it too i mean no i don't think i know you know they they felt you know apart if everyone who lives in an apartment knows they make a relationship with those that are in the office yeah we didn't have offices but right um and when you when you have turnover you have to read okay where's the laundry room where's this right. you know and yeah it 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 takes a while. It takes a good couple months before you're really smooth, and so I think the owners felt that too.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So um, one of the things we talked about, of course, was uh, hiring, promoting, training uh, managers, uh, division heads, um, supervisors, all that kind of stuff. Um, You talked about you've made some great hires. Uh, For those that you've promoted internally, what is what is what goes into to training a a person to go from being a good employee doing whatever tasks they do to being a good people manager what if for somebody you want to pluck and say we want to we want to move you up in the company we want to give you more more role uh, a bigger role what what's the training for that what's the philosophy or what's what are the things you do or or how do you decide once you've picked a person uh what do you what do you do to make sure that they're going to do a good job how do you how do you do that
1: well um picking the right person is 95 percent of it right okay Um, And I can use an example. We've just picked someone that is now moving up the ranks to uh, oversee our property management division. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll never forget. uh, She's going to die if she sees this. But my partner was at a property. She oversaw um, 500-plus units with a very good company. And he calls me up, and he says, I found your replacement. No, (laughs) no, 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 sorry. I found your next regional manager. She's going to be my replacement. And I said, oh, yeah, right, yeah. Okay, send me your card or whatever. And he could tell, I could tell. You know, you can tell, right? Right. So that's that's the most important thing. And then and then in our business, what we do is each you have an opportunity to grow within the company. So you start as a manager of a large community, then you take on a few more communities, then you become a regional manager, and then you become a senior regional manager, mm-hmm. where now you're overseeing regional managers. Right. So so it doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and how each. The person you know, responds to each growth. Some people can only be a manager. Some right. people can only be a regional manager. Um, so uh, there's not a magic training. I mean, I think we've sent her to a few things that mm-hmm. she's gone to, but uh, it's, it's really on-the-job training. And um, I would say to you, I tell all my partners that she's better than I ever was. And mm-hmm. so uh, that's really important is to find and then groom um, on the job as well
0: right so that's the the grooming part is what i I'm, I'm, I'm if i'm trying i'm sorry if I'm not being clear on that the grooming part is what i'm asking about what is that what does that look like or how do you, how do you even decide what what is grooming are you are you putting them in situations and just sitting back and watching to see how they react or are you putting them in situations and coaching them through it or are you doing kind of a, something in between or what what does that grooming process kind of look like
1: well I think for us it changes depending on what's happening with our growth. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it does feel like here's the keys, go take over the castle. Um yeah. and then other times you have times to sit back and and um strategize and 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 such. So um I, again, I think when, in our company it's it's the position. So, uh, she get you get to be a regional manager, and then you know I'm in charge of that, and I'm watching how right. that's all going and how they're interacting with all of their managers. Uh, a regional manager at Thrive oversees about eight properties, and so how how the feedback is on from their associates. We do surveys of that as well. And so then you're realizing, you know, are they working 24/7? Or they? uh, For myself, I would say, starting as a leasing agent, every time I got a promotion, which was probably six promotions, Mm -hmm. I stretched. Sometimes I'd stretch for three months. Sometimes I'd stretch for six months. Mm -hmm. But once the stretching was over, I'm like, okay, what's next? Right. And the great thing about this industry is there's always what's next, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, but as a supervisor or or someone watching that, you want to be sure. The stretching isn't going on too long, um, and um, it's a human business. And so, if they are building good teams um, under them, you know, there's just signs that you can tell that that they're fulfilling that role. Right. Um, so I don't know if I answer that correctly, but
0: yeah, I, I don't. I don't think there's necessarily a, a right or wrong answer to that. I think it's just just good to hear somebody who's been super successful with growing people and and mentoring them, just to hear them think out loud on something like that. I think is beneficial for folks to. Um, kind of understand your perspective, knowing that this is your area of expertise
1: yeah well you 'll hear from your customers you 'll hear from your employees if that person's not successful right, and then you lean in and you find out you know what is it, is it workload is it you know you just can 't do it um, i had We had someone not too long ago that uh, we promoted too early, or we actually hired a man and promoted him too early, and he said to me when he was leaving he said. I knew day one I was in over my skis, wow. and I wished I wished he could have told me that. Yeah, he unfortunately, didn't. Yeah. I think he had too much pride. But yeah. um I think you know. Uh, again, the stretch time is is stressful, mm-hmm. and I know I have people right now that are stretching. But once you get through that, if you're um, hungry, then you're like, okay, what's next? Right. And again, our industry has lots of opportunities. Sure. A little plug for our industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: no, it, no, it's it, it's a it is a good industry. Um so um, in this you mentioned you know we're at four minus four percent unemployment or under four percent unemployment um without giving away trade secrets that would you know give your competitors an unfair advantage over you or whatever um what do you what do you find yourself doing now that you wouldn't have done ten years ago?
1: Oh gosh, everything is so crazy right now. Um, so we are 11,000 units, right? We, we have competitors who mm-hmm. are all over the country, right. hundreds of thousands of units. And so they come knocking on the door and say, Hey, come over to us. And, um, and we've, uh, to be really honest, we've had a lot of that this year. Um, and so we've had to really look within and think of creative ways. We're constantly thinking of creative ways to make employees, um, uh, engaged. Right. Um, it's harder because all of our properties, all those 69 deals are, in different places, right? Right. So you're not on their one hat where you can say, oh, we're kumbaya, everybody's happy. And so um, we've just had to work super hard about being um, connected with people. Uh, our industry, the Washington Apartment uh, Multifamily Housing Association, in, in, um, provides excellent training. Right. And so we you know, pay for some of that training for them to go to um, increase their uh, career. And, um, and then just... You know, we when we did those manual surveys every year, we would ask, "What can we do to make Thrive better?" Right. And every year, I, 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 it, it was it's something that's really important. Um, we took two or three things on that list, and it might have been more vacation time. It mm-hmm. might have been more pay more toward my benefits, um, holidays. I'm trying to think, some of them. We we would we would roll them out mm-hmm. at the first of the year. We'd say, "Thank you for your feedback." And as a result, Thrive is adding these benefits. Wow. And what people felt was, you know, oftentimes companies say, oh, I want to hear what you have to say, but then they do nothing with information. Yeah. And so we made out a very specific uh, acknowledgement of the fact that we were listening to what they wanted, and as a result, we got this. So lately, the big push is support positions. Mm -hmm. So marketing, training, HR, um, and again, you only can add. A little at a time but each of those positions enhance the the life of uh, as an associate right if they get more training or we have a regional maintenance supervisor now who who can get out and help you and introduce you to the thrive way right. um, where sometimes you might feel like you're kind of all by yourself so we we can't we try we're, we definitely are paying as high as we can mm-hmm. um but it's getting crazy that the you know the yeah. competitors coming after your employees
0: sure sure well that, that's i think that's absolutely brilliant uh, uh, that you did that and you're willing to share that first of all thank you for that to do the surveys but then commit to doing something with it something specific so you took two or three things each year Mm -hmm. versus just okay let's do the survey let's hear what the feedback is and we'll adjust accordingly yeah (laughs) that doesn't mean anything but if you're going to literally on you know december 15th every year roll out three things or two things because this is what the survey said yeah, uh, and tell them why we did yeah, it. Yeah, and let them know that their voice is not only being heard, that's right. but we're yeah. acting on it. I, that's that's absolutely incredible. That's, I, I think, think that's super smart. I think everyone should do that, too. I, I'm telling you. <laughs> that, I'm definitely writing that down on my notes for today. That's for sure. Um, okay, so we're just about out of time. It's already been 48 oh, minutes, wow. if you can believe that. Wow. Uh wow. Uh, you've done very well, by the way. Well, I think this you, is fun. Yeah. Um, so if you were speaking to that group of MBA grads coming out of Seattle U, and you were talking to a group of 10 of them, who were each going to start their own business in ten different fields?
1: Oh, Mario, you're going to start a hard question.
0: What? That's so hard. I mean, that, uh, but without giving a super cliche, you know, like don't give up and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> what, what, what would be a one or two or three specific pieces of advice you would give them uh, regarding running a business?
1: Well, first off, if I'm assuming that these people coming out of their MBA program let's say are 24, or 25. My first thing would be don't do, don't start your business when you have no experience. Um, education is super important, right? Uh, but I, my whole life is on ed, an experience, right? Yeah, it it's key. My I always talk about being the old person in the office, but it, you know you, you have to gain that experience before you go out and believe that you can run a business, right? Um, and then I would um, say find what it is that you want to do and find your passion, because you know I have done. I actually started in property management. And when I was 21 Mm -hmm. and I was on Kameno Island and I was working for Century 21 in the yellow jacket and running properties way in (laughs) over my skis. Uh, But I knew at that time that's what I wanted to do. Right. Right. So I never not once have I deviated from that industry. And I I know that's probably remarkable and a lot of people don't make a couple shifts, but at least find what your passion is. Don't Mm -hmm. do something um, because it's a job. Right. And then and then. Connect yourself with people that will provide you good mentorship and um, and good experience. Right. Because uh, it, experience is key.
0: Yeah. I can tell you for, for me personally, I've, I can look back on a handful of mentors I've had that there's no way in hell I would be anywhere near where I'm at had I not had that. Yeah. And it was just dumb luck that I found them. I didn't. Even, I wasn't even smart enough to know I should be looking for them.
1: And you probably didn't even know they were doing it at the time right. until you look back and go, wow, they taught me a lot. Yeah, well, there,
0: there's there's one or two that were very vocal about saying, I'm going to mentor you because I see something in you I want to help you hmm. grow and things like that. Mm-hmm. Had they not told me, I probably I wouldn't, wouldn't have know. picked up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, so I would absolutely second all of those things. Um, um, but, you know, not... Letting, stifling yourself by being afraid to reach out and asking somebody to mentor you, or just surrounding yourself with people who have experience. Which, when you're 24, the last thing you want to do is hang out with a bunch of old people. I suspect, but 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 for in my case, and it sounds like in yours, there's no way I would I would be anywhere. I wouldn't be certainly wouldn't be doing a podcast about business or running a business. So
1: my first mentor was a woman I didn't know she was mentoring me at the time, and she was at Trammel Crow. And man, she 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 was a tough. Tough cookie. Yeah. But she set uh procedures and policies and guidelines um that you know I've never forgotten. I talk about today. So yeah. same here. Um, it's important.
0: I i still there's one of my mentors, I still I I stole one of his quotes and I still use it eh, twelve times a week probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh anyhow, hey, so thanks a lot for coming Thank on you. again. Really appreciate Thank it. You. Again, I can't believe we're almost out of time already. Um, is there anything else you want to plug while you're here? We've given out ThriveCommunities.com. We gave out your phone number, which is two zero six. Where is it? It was two zero six three eight eight twenty one twenty. You can reach him at info at ThriveCommunities.com. Um, again, thanks for coming on, Carrie. Is there anything else you want to plug up besides that? that I no, I don't it? have anything
1: to plug. I, okay, um, just appreciate you inviting me. All and- right.
0: Well, we sure sure been a pleasure having you on, and and the, this went awesome. I knew it would. So, thank you very much for coming. Um, if you like what you hear and you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, we're open to that. You can reach me at Brian at brianlharding.com. Also, if you have any questions about anything we've talked about, anything you want to suggest we talk about coming up, you can reach me at that same Brian at brianlharding.com. You can go to brianlharding.com and find our YouTube links and our Facebook links all that stuff. And uh, coming up not too not too far out, we'll be uh, doing a, a podcast audio version you can hear in a couple different spots. i will be talking about more about that later on. Uh, Next week, we're going to have in Abby Kate. She's going to talk about Flip. The name of her company is Flip. Uh, It's a food delivery business that she's super passionate about. And uh, we can't wait to talk to her. And uh, that's it for today, folks. So thanks a lot for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week.